attention. Your attention. This is Morgus the Magnificent. Welcome to the Swapbox Podcast. This brand of the day. And I'm Brittany Lombas. And we are recording in Brittany's apartment in Pigeontown, New Orleans. Yeah. I haven't had to say that word in a while. It's been a while since we've been here. It's been a while since we've been in this, like, you know, third recording studio. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pigeontown. Um, there are no pigeons here. There's some history to it that I don't know about. We're recording before Halloween. I didn't think about this, but a pigeon costume sounds pretty cool. Oh, that would be potential costume ideas so disturbing like um <laughs> paper mache and lots of clay oh yeah i would do that i just watched a uk drag race episode before i came over where someone dresses a seagull so i might just have <laughs> bird people on the brain <laughs> what season is that on see i'm on season two but season three is airing right now i stopped watching for a long time and i think i stopped at maybe the one after aquaria was on yeah i'm on like i'm watching the european ones because they're like five dollars a month for the app oh what app uh the wow app world of wonder app i loved um uk is so good yeah and then i also even though rupaul wasn't a judge i liked uh canada's drag race that was pretty good like, jimbo the drag clown was like one of oh, my I love jimbo yeah i love jimbo it was so great one of my favorite queens the only one that was like bad so far was like denmark i didn't really get that one is that the one you had <laughs> I think you told me, like, there's a drag queen that looks just like Tony Collette, like Mama. Oh, yeah. Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. It's worth watching to see Tony yeah, Collette. Yeah. <laughs> I started... <laughs> well, I haven't watched it, and then I started following Mother or Mama on Instagram, and blown away. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm loving every second of it. I wonder if she's ever done a hereditary look. It seems like she should have by now. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are recording this before Halloween, but people will be hearing it afterwards. So we're kind of doing, yeah. like, a half and half... Still having like a horror hangover this episode. But yeah, still in the spirit. I think so. I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. Same. What have you been watching lately? Um, I've been watching a lot of spooky stuff, obviously. But what's been happening is I've been like trying to catch up on like horror movies. And then before I know it, like as I keep going down my list on all these like streaming services, I just end up like diving into like lifetime movie territory. And I'm like, <laughs> girl, you got to pull it back because that's for the holiday season. Um. But I did, God, I'm going to mispronounce it, um, but Gaia, Gaia. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, you haven't seen it? Yeah. That's okay. on Hulu now, right? It is on Hulu, and it's a movie that came out this year. It's like, I think, South African. Like an eco-horror? Eco-horror, yeah. Um, which normally I don't gravitate to. I don't hate it. I just don't seek it out. But the cover looked really cool. So I'm like, you know, let me check this out. And it was streaming on Hulu. It's about these like two park rangers and they not necessarily like get lost but they get separated while they're in like the rainforest a woodsy area i'm already fucking up the eco stuff (laughs) um woods like the woods the woods is the woods and they get lost and one of the forest rangers like kind of happens upon this kind of family but it's like a kind of like a father son and they're like totally like disconnected from modern society the father in the relationship like had the experience with the outside world and chose to like live in the forest and his son kind of didn't so he's a little kind of not socialized and i was just wondering the other day if anyone remembers the movie nell has that yes, completely with like, Foster? yeah has that like left the cultural consciousness okay so <laughs> one of like the first friends that i like 
made whenever I moved to New Orleans and we're still friends till this day. Like she was such like a girly girl. And I remember like when I first went to her apartment, she had like maybe 10 DVDs and one of them was now amazing <laughs> i was blown away and i'm like yes we're gonna be friends forever i definitely only ever watched that on vhs i don't think i've ever okay. seen that on dvd <laughs> oh my god we should do like a <laughs> should we <laughs> what would that be like feral i would like an uh, episode yeah that'd be fun or like feral. a uh made up language episode yes well this could well no this wouldn't be in there but yeah i could think of some Okay, let's, let's that's if it's absolutely necessary to watch Nell, which I don't think that's ever true. <laughs> well, I think isn't like my choice coming up. Yeah, yeah, you can I do whatever mean, you want. Yeah, let's earmark that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's also like this very creepy, like species of like mushroom-looking monster people that are like creeping around, and this you know father-son duo they're like smart and they're like you know survivalists and they're able to kind of like live amongst them and like not let them kill them because it's kind of like how the quiet place monsters are like they can't see so they can only like hear you so you have to be like super quiet and it, it's super trippy at the same time so you have these like super creepy mushroom people coming in and then the woman she does injure herself so she's kind of like you know not in the best health while she's staying with them she kind of like comes in and out like she has these like kind of weird fever nightmares where these mushrooms are growing from her skin nice and then her like park ranger buddy who she got separated from just gets taken over by like this like force this like force in the forest where it's like his whole body just turns into fungus and he becomes one with the tree and it you start to find out like that's what these mushroom people are like they were once humans and then like the forest kind of took over them and um yeah they just become fungus and it sounds stupid (laughs) but it's done in such like a beautiful way that like I don't know. My description isn't doing it justice, I'll admit. But it's, yeah, it was just, like, really beautiful to watch. And, like, it was eerie. Like, it wasn't, like, horror horror. It was just kind of, like, creepy. And, I mean, of course, it has a lot to say about how we, like, treat the earth and kind of, like, Mother Nature taking over. I love when, yeah, the nature reclaims, like, humanity stuff. It's cool. So, I love this. I mean, I... I think I think you would like it a lot. It sounds a lot like this other movie on Hulu called In the Earth that I really liked. From oh my this god, year. that was like next on the list. Where it's like if you like this, you would. It's like very this. good, and it has a lot of the same themes and images. So <laughs> oh, cool. So yeah, um, I watched that, liked it a lot, and then I decided to kind of you know look at some like earlier spooky um, films, and I watched a classic, and I, we talked about this like probably a couple years ago and i think you liked it a lot the movie valentine from 2001 we did it on the podcast we did on the podcast yeah it was great what else do you remember what we like paired it with well that was the old format so we would pick a movie of the minute yeah and then we would do a whole separate subject that was like kind of related so you and i watched valentine and i believe we watched all of the final destination movies oh yeah we've since like pared the show down to like one subject (laughs) two or three movies (laughs) well that makes sense i was like god i feel like me and brennan talked about this in detail you introduced me to it and i loved it it's it's really good yeah uh, so here's the the cool thing about this movie obviously we watched it we talked about it but like it's one of those movies like Here's the thing with like thrillers, like they're not as exciting when you watch them over and over again. Even if you watched this movie like every year traditionally, it probably wouldn't be as cool and as like 
revealing and surprising, but I haven't really seen it probably since we talked about it. And I saw that it was streaming on like Tubi or something like that. God bless Tubi. <laughs> and like I watched it and I kind of like forgot all the things that happened. So like as I was rewatching it, I was like, shit, I, yeah, this makes sense. I remember this. But I wasn't remembering until after the shit happened. Yeah. So it was almost like experiencing it all over again. And I think it's just the format of this movie. Like there's so many... It's such like a, a sexy thriller because Denise Richards is in it. So it, it's got that Wild Things vibe that she brings that like ugh, is amazing. But it's also like trashy comedy with like a fucking new metal soundtrack. It's like a post-scream t- uh, yes. slasher too. It's so good. And it's it's stupid. And it's like, you know, hey, like there's a, a kid and it opens up with the scene of this like, you know, little boy getting picked on at a dance in high school. Obviously, it's like, okay, this is the killer. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Like, tell me, please. Um, and then there's this, like, psycho in a chair mask that is, like, kind of hunting down this um, group of friends who were friends since middle school that, like, picked on this kid. So it's, like, obviously, they know who it is. They just don't know what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, like, oh, God, he could be anyone. We haven't seen him since middle school. And, like, the detectives, the detectives like, and we're not even thinking if he had plastic surgery. Like, <laughs> it's just... It's so good, and um, yeah, Denise Richards is so great, and I I love like this era of like her film career. I realized watching Drop Dead Gorgeous again recently, like I think I'm a fan, which I guess like the common Please consensus watch. is that she's a bad actor, but like she's great. She's so good at being like this devious breathy seductress like type. brat almost yeah, yeah like y- please watch the real housewives of beverly hills is she if- on that yes that's amazing she's on a couple of seasons they're later seasons so you might have to like jump in for hers <laughs> but she is so much fun to watch because like what are like oh. her greatest hits though like wild things drop dead gorgeous valentine starship troopers am i missing any like big ones those are all great I'm always, I always think of like Drop Dead Gorgeous, but that's her best performance. Tammy and the T Rex. Oh yeah, I forgot Classic. about that. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> her biggest film, which I obviously. still have yet to go back to since they restored it with the uh, cut footage. Have you have you heard about this? No. So I watched Tammy and the T Rex a few years ago, and I really enjoyed it. But um, since then, they discovered this like R-rated print of it that had like extra gory kills. And they, like, re-released it with, like, a new digital scan. So it's, like, more violent and, like, vibrant than ever. So, Brandon. Also, let's earmark this. (laughs) Denise Richards' episode, and I pick, like, maybe, like, two or three episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, that we can, like... (gasps) I can do that. I can't watch a season of a reality show. But I can can watch a couple episodes. I'm going to pick some to where you're going to be, like, I'm in. (laughs) I made you watch The Real Cancun. I can watch an hour of uh, Real Housewives. I'm just Denise Richards talking about how her and her husband drive around LA looking for someone to give them both a happy ending massage. Like <laughs> she is insane. I love her. <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, whatever. Like just like burping and like wearing like a like white t-shirt and like denim shorts while all these women are like head to toe in Balenciaga. <laughs> it's so great. I really miss the soup for pulling those like gym clips out. Cause I, I don't like the scenes that are just them like sitting around like, Eating a salad on the couch and just like hanging out. Oh, those are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I get so bored. <laughs> and I'm like, what are they eating? I'm like, oh my gosh, she's burning that candle. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. I soak it all up like a sponge. Um, so I mean, those are like the two like most recent big things that I enjoyed watching. Um, but yeah, what about you? Have you been watching some spooky stuff? 
Yeah, I got yeah. one from the library the other day. It's a new release, and I liked it, but I think you would like it more than I did. Ooh. Uh, it's called The Night House um, with Rebecca Hall. She's a recently widowed like school teacher, and her husband like shot himself on a boat in the lake behind their like beautiful house that they built together. Wait, is this like the town that's underwater? No. Movie? Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you're thinking of the deep house. Yeah, that other house. Yeah. Which I'm really excited to see. That too, sounds fun too. Right? <laughs> okay. I'm glad you knew what I was talking about. This one's more of a um I wanna say it's in the style of like hereditary and the Babadook and like uh other like recent movies like that where it's like there's this big metaphor about like her grief and the darkness in their relationship and stuff um which that's not my favorite part of the movie and i don't think it would be yours either because it, it keeps having these like great ideas where like he d- he was an architect and he just designed the house so like she'll notice weird architectural details where like the negative space in the molding will look like the outline of a person and like that's the ghost in the house oh my god or like the blueprints themselves he like built this extra secret house across the lake that's like the backwards design of the house they live in and it seems like this kind of like lovecraftian like dark magic where he was like conjuring some like demon from beyond the oh, world I, lo- I love like films that like have like like crimson peak like movies that like architecture plays like such a big role or like how it's almost like another character in the movie in a weird way but this one's kind of frustrating because it keeps teasing stuff like that oh. and then those moments are very short-lived like it'll be like a a scare for like uh-huh. a couple seconds, but then it moves on to the next idea. So it keeps like almost becoming a better movie than it is. But what I think you would like about it is you've already mentioned Lifetime once. Yes. Um, And there is this sort of like lifetimey drive to the plot where like she had this like seemingly good marriage and the husband killed himself and she can't figure out why he did it. So she starts investigating his life and starts like looking at pictures on his phone and seeing like pictures of like women in public that he was snapping like candid shots of. And they kind of look like her. And and she's like, what was he doing with these women? And like, she starts digging more into who he was. And he had this whole secret life where he had this like like dark, violent obsessions with like other women that look like her. And she's like, how do I play a part in this like weird fetish uh, killer kind of thing he had going on? And I think you would like that aspect of the plot a lot. Um, it's also got the like elevated horror, like grief as a killer. Yeah. You know, her depression itself takes on this, um, malevolent force. It's okay. (laughs) But Rebecca Hall is amazing in it. What else has she played in Rebecca Hall? She was in that movie Christine a few years ago, which I never saw, but I hear like her performance is amazing. Okay. And then otherwise she's just really good in really bland movies. Okay. She was in Godzilla vs. Kong this year. Okay. She was in... The Gift a few years ago. Just like sort of these like anonymous roles in genre films. Okay. Um, this is more of like a acting showcase where like she's pretty much the only character on screen for most of it. And she's very like prickly. Like everyone wants her to just sort of like quietly mourn her husband. And she's like, no, I'm going to find out what the fuck he was into and like why he did this to himself. And um, she'll like push back at people who want her to like be calm and like quiet. Okay. So I don't know. I liked it. It could have been better. I think you would like some of the aspects of the plot um, a lot. Yeah, well, if it's at the library, I'll... Yeah, I got it I got it from the New Orleans library. I'll pick it up. And I also watched a movie that's very bad, but <laughs> I still want to bring it up because it was interesting. Um, it's called The House of Exorcism uh, from 1975. And I've been watching a lot of Mario Bava movies over the past month. 
we were about to do Lisa and the Devil yes. as a movie of the month for November. And I since then watched a bunch of his Haunted Castle movies. Like he did like Black Sunday is a classic with Barbara right. Steele. Um, I watched a pretty bad one called Baron Blood. It was okay. And The Whip in the Body, which is the uh, S&M one with Christopher Lee's ghost. Uh, <laughs> but then I found this like really weird anomaly called The House of Exorcism, which Mario Bava took his name off of. He like successfully had his name removed from the project. Oh, no. Because what they did was they did not know how to market Lisa and the Devil in the United States. I think it was like AIP had the rights to it. And they went back with some of the same actors and recut the movie with new scenes added. And they were trying to capitalize on William Freakin's The Exorcist. So they added these scenes where the same actor as Lisa is possessed by the devil and spends half the movie in a hospital while this priest is trying to exorcise the devil out of her. And her hallucinations in that hospital bed are scenes from Lisa and the devil. So like the castle <laughs> scenes are her like hallucinations. And it chops it up to the point where, like, the castle plot, like, the actual Lisa and the Devil plot is completely incomprehensible. It's just, like, these, like, weird scenes. Well, that she's kind of like, like how Lisa and the Devil was in a way. Yeah, for sure. But then the hospital scenes are, like, so pedestrian. It's, like, um, you know, they're just adding, like, violence, more tits, and then more, like, recognizable, just, like, cheap versions of The Exorcist. Mm. Um, where she's just, like, cursing and, like, puking on herself and stuff like that. <laughs> It's really weird to watch this <laughs> if you've already seen Lisa and the Devil, because it's like rewatching a movie you haven't seen in a while. And you're like, I remember this being great. But you're yeah. watching and you're like, this movie's terrible. It's like that in real time, because so much of it looks like Lisa and the Devil, except there's all these like extra scenes that are all bad. It just sounds like a hodgepodge. It's so weird. Insanity. The one thing I would recommend for it, though, if you've seen a bunch of Bava movies and I really like him, but his stuff is slow. Like, yeah, I love Blood and Black Lace, but it is a it's slow, very film. slow. I almost made y'all watch Planet of the Vampires for a movie of the month coming up. And I was thinking, like, I'm going to bore the shit out of them, even though it's a beautiful movie. It's very slow. <laughs> um, and I replaced it with Life Force in the schedule, which is a much I'm uh, excited more bombastic that. film. This sort of like because it condenses the castle plot when she's hallucinating the way they work in this film is terrible, but it's like watching a version of Lisa and the Devil that just moves quicker. Like, they condense hmm. it and cut out the chaff. So, like, it's just a, a weird glimpse into a, be a world where um, Baba had a better sense of pacing. Yeah. Like it, you get to watch this, like, quicker cut of Lisa and the Devil that's interrupted by a worse movie every now and then. So, I don't know. Terrible film. Probably shouldn't watch it. But uh, I, I, I found it interesting both as, like, a, like, why did they make this kind of, like, cult object? And then also um, just sort of like a glimpse of like Baba with a better editor. It's I think it's always fun when there's like a movie and a movie, but this is like a movie and a movie that you would only know about if you saw the other movie. <laughs> so it makes it special. Yeah. <laughs> I could see someone just being like, I, why would I watch that instead of just watching Lisa and the Devil again? Because it's a much better movie. Yeah. And to that I say, um, you're a much smarter person than me. <laughs> you're right. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I wasted my 90 minutes on this instead. But you would have like, just died of like curiosity yeah what is this you'd have been on your deathbed like you know years from now just being like god damn it <laughs> i love like repurposed stuff like i love it when like roger corman would like take a soviet yeah. film and like 
take all their like special effects shot and then just add mm-hmm. a bunch of American actors and they like point out the window of the spaceship and you're like watching a much like more expensive movie out the window. Um, <laughs> I've always found that kind of fascinating. Yeah, I feel like it almost in a way takes more creativity to do something like that than to like yeah come up with something from scratch. Also, I just kind of admire that like we have ten dollars. What can we do? Yeah, um, kind of spirit. Speaking of which, uh, we're watching two very cheap <laughs> movies today. <laughs> And you kind of have to have a uh, appreciation for, like, shoestring budget genre filmmaking to enjoy either of these, I think. Um, But they're both very fun. Both good. Yeah. And we get to talk about Morgus the Magnificent, which was the main reason I wanted to do this. We did an Elvira episode at the start of the Halloween season that put me in a great mood. And I'm glad we did it. But my original idea for an Elvira episode was going to be matching hit her with Morgus, which was our local version of Elvira. He was New Orleans's horror host. Like, there is no other one in this city. And because we already did Elvira by herself, I, I wanted to do an episode just on Morgus and give him the like spotlight that he deserves as well. Um, and we'll also talk about a Hollywood film that borrowed the plot from, uh, from Morgus. This is insane. Which is very weird. It's so insane. Yeah. And all that's coming up to you right now. Cardio Bionic Perpetual Motion Machine. The Morguso Perpetual Life Machine. <laughs> this is my vac seat, my friends. This is a machine that does exciting things to the brain. The Bio-Ultronic Body Analyzer. Step over here to my... Making Morgan. New Orleans a better place to live. Morgus presents... Sponsored in part by Tasty Donuts. When I pitched this um, to you a couple weeks ago, I did not realize that the historic New Orleans Center, the THNOC, was going to have a Morgus presentation the night before recording this, which I watched. such bizarre timing. Yeah. It was a Zoom webinar, which I watched on my free time after work, which seems so bizarre considering how many, like, Zoom and, like, Microsoft Teams meetings I've been in the past year and a half. Oh, God. I could hear the the little, like, boop, doop, doop. So the presentation they did was... Interviews with Morgus's daughter and um, some crew members on the show. And then they played some clips from classic Morgus bits. And then they played this thing called Recollections of a Mad Scientist, which was this like 2019 lecture he did at the Orpheum. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I wanted to go when that happened, but I didn't have the money. Didn't he die like in 2020? And he died in 2020. Oh, wow. He was like, I think he was like nearly 90 years old when he did that Jesus um, lecture. Jesus Christ. Morgus is Sid Knoll. Um, he started as like a radio host in the 80s. I don't think Sid Knowles is his real name. He like chose a stage name so that he could live in anonymity. Um, yeah, in the city. I, I saw like when I was reading a little bit on him that like even his like kids didn't really know he was Morgus or something. Like he kind of like yeah. hid, hid his identity for like 50 years. <laughs> um, and then the same way that all horror hosts got into the business in the 1950s nationally syndicated broadcast channels like the NBC network and the CBS network, they bought lots of horror films. So they buy like two dozen horror movies as a lot from the studio for a television broadcast. And they'd hire these local hosts, like the syndicated local channel would have a local guy or gal in the case of Vampira in LA to um, introduce the movies and bring them into the segments. And I would say Elvira is like the most popular version of the horror host. Morgus was in that first wave. He was like in the late fifties and he was a mad scientist character created by Sid Noel. And his bit was that he was disgusting. <laughs> like he was just like covered so in grime. Gross. Yeah. And he had like 
two lab assistants. One was a talking skull named Eric. That's the only thing I remember about like Morgus. Cause I'm like, wait, like watching the film we're going to talk about, like, I'm like, Oh, like, I don't remember ever like watching this. I remember like when it was like in color. Yeah. And I just remember like the skull and like this, like electricity coming from it with these like springs. And I don't remember if Eric was on the original run because the 1950s clips of Morgus are all lost. Okay. Like there's no collection of those. Mm. Like, and all of them were broadcast live. So like that material is just gone forever. Okay. He also had his lab assistant Chopsley, who was a like near seven foot tall looking like executioner who would just sort of bumble up like a Frankenstein's monster just bumbling around the lab. <laughs> like Igor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Morgus lasted until like the early 1960s. Then he moved to Detroit for a little while and did weather segments up there. And then he moved back down here in the 80s for real, which is like, I think what we would remember. Like Maybe the late 80s, early 90s. Right. And yeah, those were in color. And a lot of that stuff is archived. You can mm-hmm. watch clips of Morgus doing his bumbling lab experiments um, on YouTube right now. Well, how much like familiarity did you have with him before we did this episode? I mean, not that much. Like, it wasn't like... I didn't remember any of, like, the side character names, and I just, like, I never was like, oh, yeah, Morgus is on. Woo! It was just <laughs> kind of like, oh, it's on. Cool, I'll watch it. Like, I didn't really seek it out. I just kind of, like, vaguely remember it. I want to say when I was a kid, he wasn't even doing movie hosting, really. Like, it wasn't like he was introducing feature films. Uh-huh. It would be, like, a half an hour Morgus show. Like, by itself. Of him just, like, doing weird shit in his life. Of just doing, like, skits. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I remember so... Well, other than the skull, like, how when he talks, he, like, just, like, licks his face like a dog a little bit. (laughs) And, like, whenever we, like, like, kind of, like, watching his, like, stuff for this episode, I was like, oh, God, I I totally forgot about that. It's still so fucking funny. (laughs) I like that he's not an evil character. Right. Even though he is a horrific character because he is very unsanitary and he's, like performing surgery a lot of episodes but he's like so what's the word i'm looking for not innocent but just naive naive yeah yeah like he's he just reminds me of like that like nice like grotesque buffoon in movies yeah (laughs) well sometime in the early 60s uh the bit was popular enough here that um he thought he could syndicated in other networks um and no one was buying the morgus show he could not Experts to other cities besides that brief stint in Detroit. But he also got financing for an independent film um, filmed in New Orleans called The Wacky World of Dr. Morgus. Um, and this was available on DVD around 2012. I bought it from the Shalmet Movies box office at the time. Oh, um, wow. It appears that it's out of print right now. What um, a gem that you have on your hands. It is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice scan of the movie because you can also watch it on YouTube, but it's really muddy and just mm-hmm. like not as good. I don't know that I would recommend this film to anyone outside of New Orleans, but I think if you have any kind of affection for Morgus or just the city itself and just seeing like how much and how little the French Quarter has changed in the past half century, Mm -hmm. it's pretty charming. And also like the the local celebrities in it, like the time capsule of like Chris Owens, (laughs) I found to be like so entertaining. Yeah, there's a scene early on where... um, as part of like the French quarter nightlife, they go down to a club on bourbon street where Chris Owens, the queen of the cha-cha, which I've never heard her describe that way, <laughs> uh, does one of her like 
burlesque type cha-cha routines. Yeah. It's kind of like I I love films like this that kind of encapsulate like what the vibe of the French Quarter is, even though it doesn't exist that much anymore. Like it's a little, I don't know. Like it just, I feel like now, like some parts of it are fun, but like a lot of it is just like trashy and like, I don't know, like souvenir shops on every corner with junk or like the same junk in every shop, same junk in every shop or like a bar that plays like that. Yeah. Yeah. Song from Usher with like disgusting drinks, $3 slices of pizza and gross pizza and stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, that just seemed like, it just kind of captured that moment. I do feel like Bourbon Street is this like fat from the steak that we thrown to the dogs. Like so, tourists go there. Just the gristle. So the rest, yeah, it's the gristle, and the rest <laughs> of the the quarter like has little pockets that are still right, that are authentically local. That's true. This version of Bourbon Street is very different. Like you dress up in a suit to go watch Chris Owen shake her titties, right? Like dinner shows and right. things like that. Yeah. Oof. But it's still strip clubs. It's just like. I know we watched a couple of Italian movies lately where there were scenes like that, like people in nightclubs like right. bring a date and go watch like a burlesque routine. Right. Yeah. Like Vampiros Lesbos. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Worth noting that you can still see Chris Owens shake her titties um, every now and then in the course. She's, she's just like she's 90. So old. Yeah. <laughs> every uh, Easter, there's like a terrifying parade down Bourbon where she's on the float. You have to see it once. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, the nightlife in the quarter in the movie I thought was pretty authentic to yeah. how you're supposed to think of the quarter. Um, it's very like beatnik focused. It's like a bunch of people, bunch of fucking dirty weirdos drinking caffeine at like two in the morning <laughs> in these like kind of like dive bar coffee shops, um, and just you know painters and pirate a- pirates alley selling like street art and um, just general drunkenness. I would say, and, I don't know. I feel like. It was a nice glimpse of like how the quarter has not changed in some ways too. I loved um, the focus on those like caricature artists. Like they're still there. Like things are a little different, but like how, you know, it's like these women who were styled in like fifties garb with fifties hairstyles, like getting the same shit done that like, you know, people with like chunky highlights and like, you know, Daisy Dukes and like bedazzled tank tops are doing right now. It's so cool. Like just to like, see like the same things happening just a variation of it <laughs> uh what are some other like locations that are interesting like there's the car chase down canal street towards the end that looks pretty much the same and the um kind of yeah like towards the end like by the i guess the interstate was that the um, end bus? i think there's two scenes on bridges uh he crosses yeah, i was the, trying to uh, figure out where it was he crosses the saint claude bridge um, impatiently and tries to like drag it down to go faster, which I've had that impatience with that bridge. Oh my before. God. Yeah. And I think they loop around to um, the other bridge that goes over the same river, um, which is the um, Claiborne bridge. Yes. And that's like a christening. Like it must've been a new bridge at the time, or at least they're trying to make it look like it was yeah. um, for the movie. So yeah, there's like a lot of like ain't dare no more stuff. And there's also a lot of like, oh wow, nothing has changed. The quarter looks exactly the same. Yeah, like even beyond the quarter, like those like neighborhood scenes, like it still looks the same. Like, you know, some busted up house, like shotgun and then like one that looks fine right next to it. And like, you know, some overgrown grass, some not just like, I don't know. Yeah, it still kind of felt very similar. What I like about Morgus is that he fits in with new orleans culture too like he feels authentic to here because he's got kind of a yat accent and that sort of like half mullet haircut that he has yeah. and the like sort of pock marks on his like fake nose i don't know he feels like i'm related to him like he reminds me of shalmatians that are in my bloodline 
Um, like like a like a, a weird uncle. Uh, oh, totally, yeah. But what's so interesting about Morgus is how he feels so New Orleans without being like New Orleans. If He's that not Doctor Gumbo, right? Not Doctor Gumbo or Voodoo Queen Master. Like he's just this. Like who would think? Like you know, a mad scientist in New Orleans. Like that doesn't make sense. No, but it really, really does. Like it's just, it's just so, such like a I don't know. It's our it's version magical. of a mad scientist where like his stuff is not nationally recognized and like uh, he's working out of a French Quarter ice house instead of a real laboratory. Like, uh, right. <laughs> which I'm sure um, the esteemed medical facilities at Tulane and LSU um, would be offended that I just said that. But <laughs> um, it still feels well, like the local version of that kind of he medical looks work. Like he's working at LCMC. <laughs> and as far as like preserving what the city used to look like goes i also really appreciate this movie for preserving the original run of morgus the magnificent actually the original show is called the house of shock oh i didn't know know that and that's the name of our most famous like haunted house yeah um, the the big new metal haunted house yeah definitely it was called the house of shock and then when it came back in the 80s it was called morgus presents Mm. so all of the house of shock is gone but you do have this like early 60s movie that is basically just at the beginning, at least for the first half hour, just Morgus doing classic House of Shock bits. Mm-hmm. The, his first experiment in the movie is he's treating a street painter um, who paints his portrait <laughs> for him for um, like this nasty sinus infection that he has. Um, he performs surgery on the guy and basically just ruins his life. <laughs> like, uh, he tries to clear his like breath passages and then makes it so that he has to pump air into his own lungs for the rest of his life. Um, and he still sneezes. But it's like... Morgus does horrible things, but has such a good heart. Oh, yeah. Like, genuinely wants to help. <laughs> and he'll keep reassuring you that the um, experiment was a success the whole time. He's like, oh, yes, this, this was a success. All you have to do is, like, pump air into your own lungs for the rest of your life <laughs> by hand. <laughs> and then another bit that they mix in there, and really the main thrust of what we're talking about this episode, is his instant people machine. Yes. Which I believe actually was an episode of The House of Shock, where he created a machine that can condense and dehydrate a human being into dust that you can later rehydrate back into like a functioning person i think probably my favorite part of this movie is when he shows like how the machine works and he puts like a cat and then like a little black kitten comes out after he <laughs> yeah, they, like, lost some of the dust so when they rehydrated the cat there's just <laughs> less of it it's so good yeah <laughs> it's real comic book logic so it's not yeah. like oh you're missing a lung or you're missing like some valuable dna uh, if I lose some of the dust particles, it's like, no, you just shrank a little bit because there's not as much of <laughs> you. You're just going to be tiny. Yeah. In the movie, there is a local reporter called Pencils. <laughs> That's his nickname, <laughs> which reminded me a lot of Pretzi, the pretzel salesman from uh, Hercules in New York. The guy's a writer and his name is Pencils. <laughs> and that's like his whole character. Um, and he wants to get famous off of Morgus, the uh, crazy beatnik um, mad scientist in the quarter. Uh, so he eggs him on to submit his instant people machine to this like science symposium that's supposed to present the world's greatest inventions to the UN or something in New York. And the guy's playing both sides. He's like, either this invention is real and I'll become famous for having the the scoop on it, or it's not real. And I'll have, I'll get the accolades for like making a fool out of Morgus in the symposium by like getting them to accept this like fake invention. Mm Mm-hmm. While it's being presented at the symposium, the plans are stolen by an Eastern European government <laughs> called Microvania, um, and they want to use it to sneak 
soldiers into the U.S. for their, like, Cold War invasion of our country. Um, and they successfully trick Morgus into doing this. He flies to Microvania. He shrinks a bunch of Microvanian <laughs> soldiers into dust. The dust gets imported back to America. And then because it is Morgus, the operation is not an entire success. They lose track of the dust and have to chase it around Canal Street and across both <laughs> bridges. And um, eventually, I will spoil this movie because who gives a shit? Uh, they get mixed into the concrete that completes the bridge. Um, so like, uh, They're still there to yeah, this day. Claiborne is christened uh, People's <laughs> Avenue at the end is like the final punchline. <laughs> I thought this movie was very charming. I wonder how you felt about it. Yeah, I thought it was like, I mean, some parts of it, I was like, damn, this is kind of like dark. <laughs> but it's still like, I don't know, it felt like a, a like a nice light, like week weeknight movie. Um, and it, nor, like movies like this, I will say, like, I always have this like fear that I'm going to be bored or that there's going to be a lot of like, you know lull in it and just kind of like okay like when's something gonna happen but i never i didn't feel like that at all i really liked like all of it and all like the, the quirky little treasures in each corner of every scene but yeah i i really enjoyed it and i just i honest to god didn't even know it existed yeah i don't think before 2012 i had any idea there was a morgus movie like that was news to me i will say i think it does get or threatens to get boring when morgus is not on the screen when it's just like the those guys like talking about the plans and i'm like okay like then go steal it and shut up. Yeah, so I don't can care. See Marcus like you know <laughs> drill in somebody's mouth. Okay. <laughs> I do want to hear more about what parts you thought were dark because I agree about a couple things. Well, I just think like what you were talking about earlier, like um, when he's like you know performing surgery on this painter, yeah. and like the the woman that he's got. Yes, that was the part that was like, <laughs> wow, Morgus is fucked up. <laughs> yes. Uh, even though he's doing his like normal bumbling, like do good or done wrong <laughs> kind of guy. Uh, he has this woman that he is holding <laughs> under hypnosis that is going to be his wife soon. <laughs> that was so bizarre. And she's just sitting in a chair, like a piece of furniture. <laughs> and he like puts a, a sheet over her when company is over. So no one looks at her and he like surgically attached a wedding ring to her bone. It's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. That is very dark. <laughs> yes. I also, um, I was also disturbed by the little monkey that he trains to work out and be a super soldier. Yes. <laughs> I bet you that monkey's still alive. Because they live, like, they live a pretty long time. Right? That monkey was also being trained for war. They make it shoot a little machine gun <laughs> and w lift weights. So even if that monkey's family is still dark. alive, I'm not sure that monkey is. <laughs> yeah, that scene was hit me in a weird way. And, you know, like all the, like, red scare like eastern european bad yeah. guy stuff was like not cute yeah but um i think anyone with any sort of affection for morgus and chopsley there's no eric in this film which makes me think eric wasn't part of the original house of shock crew either <laughs> um i think i think i would recommend it most to new orleans natives i'm struggling to imagine anyone outside of the city chicago this. chicago natives why chicago well didn't he like do a like a thing uh, in detroit chicago? yeah oh shit yeah you're right you De said chicago detroit yeah, they were. You know why I get them confused? Why? Because of pizza. How it's like <laughs> Chicago or Detroit style. No, it's Chicago or New York. But there's also Detroit style what? pizza. I'm not joking. What is Detroit pizza? It's like no, it's like a square. Wow. <laughs> I did not know this. <laughs> I swear. This is news to me. I'd find myself watching this and like clips from the show and knowing in my heart that they're not the best stuff in the world. 
<laughs> but I also am just as warmed watching this as I was watching like the Elvira stuff we watched earlier this month. Like mm-hmm. this feels like a trip to an older world that um, had a more like wholesome sort of authentic sort of horror fandom. Um, and I love that the city embraced him so much. So like, I think he is one of our greater cultural icons. Like you can mm-hmm. buy novelty Morgus t-shirts and mugs t-shirts right all over the place yeah what i think like morgus and elvira both do other than host very well is like these characters that they portray are like their own creations and there's something so wholesome about that that like they truly enjoy what they're doing like elvira is still doing elvira um it's like not like a, a task if that makes sense like i really think that they love what they created their creations and like you know Morgus was Morgus for like a, a super fucking long time. And when he started, there was no scripts or anything and no other writers. Mm-hmm. He came up with the character. They pointed the camera at him and he would just improv for however long. Mm-hmm. Um, he had other people obviously helping with the sets and things. And apparently like the actor who played Chopsley was like the only person that he did not direct. Oh, like um, they would bring in other directors for the, for those segments and um morgus would basically run the set even though he was not the director technically but anything chopsley did got no directions from morgus he would just let that guy do whatever he wanted uh which is <laughs> all improvised that's great um so yeah it's it is like a personal creative effort from this like one guy i don't know if you pointed a camera at me and told me to entertain hundreds of like kids i'd be like i don't know what i'm doing fart with your armpit or <laughs> right? something like, yeah. and he came up with this whole like yet mad scientist character <laughs> which is amazing yeah and also he directly influenced the plot of a hollywood film which is much more widely known <laughs> i think we have to talk about that now yeah when when you proposed this episode idea i was like what the fuck <laughs> is he talking about i'm like i guess i'll just figure it out when i watch these movies waddling master of foul play, maestro of a million criminal umbrellas. The Joker! Devilish clown prince of crime. Oh, if I only had a nickel for every time he's baffled us. What, the Riddler loose too? So it seems, loose to plague us with his criminal conundrums. Gosh, and the Catwoman. Could be any one of them, but which one? Wh- which ones? <sighs> Pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean by there's a fish there could be a penguin? But wait, it happened at sea. See? See for Catwoman. Yet that exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. It all adds up to a sinister riddle. Riddle-er. Riddler? The four of them. Their forces combined. Holy nightmare. So I did attend that webinar for the historic New Orleans collection um, last night. Mm. And during the Q&A, I had this very like panicked moment where I submitted a question to the Q&A. Oh my God, you did a Q&A question. And my neck was throbbing because I was like so <laughs> nervous. I mean, they did not answer the question, which is good. <laughs> that really alleviated my like completely useless panic that I was having. But I, I asked, 
if Sid Noel ever reacted to the fact that 1966's Batman movie borrowed the instant people machine plot and some other things yeah there is some like some like surprising overlap here. like i found like at least like four other things that were that weren't exact like stolen ideas but they were like heavily influenced so the wacky world of dr morgus came out in 1962 yeah uh the batman television show with adam west and burt ward Came out in 1966. Yeah. Um, the show came out in January, and by July of that same year, there was a feature film in the theaters. It's long. It's like almost two hours. Oh, it's trash, and I loved it. It's great. And I, I have grown up with this one. I used to have this on VHS. Oh, you're kid. kidding. Yeah. I've never, ever, I've never seen this or any of, like, the Batman. Like, I, I know of... The Batman series, obviously, and like I've seen, like you know, the theme song and Adam West, Burt Ward, like yes, but I've never like actually sat down and watched it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm highly interested. Oh, and because I did have a thing for like Julie Newmar, still have a thing for her, and like her as Catwoman. Eartha Um, Kitt was also a great Catwoman. Yeah, the one in this movie is not Julie Newmar. Something Mayweather. Yeah, she's still good though. She's very good. Yeah, I like Uh, Catwoman's amazing. And this is a great show, too, because it's, like, always on TV. It's always on, like, this TV or whatever those, like, you know, digital channels between the real channels are. Me TV. So it's always on TV at some time of day. One of those free channels. Exactly. (laughs) I would say this movie, much like the Morgus movie, when it is Batman and Robin on screen, is basically just a long episode of the TV show. Mm -hmm. The only way they really scale it up here is that all four of the main villains are in this one mega episode. So you have Catwoman, the Joker, the Riddler, and the Penguin mm-hmm. all working together to take over the world. It's amazing. Like these characters, the vibrancy of like their makeup and their outfits and just like how cartoonishly evil they all are is so cool. You and I don't talk about comic book movies very often. Yeah. You really watch comic book movies, Not right? really, no. Yeah. I love Batman. I grew up with Batman. Especially the uh, Batman Returns was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah, I loved Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Like those those really shitty ones that came out in the 90s. I love them. Like I could still see like, you know, the Taco Bell commercials that promoted them in my head. I would actually put this movie in league with Batman Returns and Batman and Robin, the one that most people hate with George Clooney. Yeah. I would say those three get two essential things about Batman that most movies don't. It's that Batman is supposed to be fun and Batman is supposed to be kinky as hell. Like this movie <laughs> is so horny um, in such a fun way. <laughs> yes, it is. There's a lot of like bondage stuff where like Batman and Catwoman in disguise or they're both. It's weird. He's dressed as Bruce Wayne and she's dressed as a fake reporter character. And they're both in bondage together on a bed, squirming around trying to like undo each other's ropes or like there's scenes where they're in a carriage having a private ride around um, the park and Robin has to, it's his, it's his civic duty to watch them make out and like lay hands on each but other. He's such a good boy wonder. And he's so uncomfortable. He, but like also the sexiness between like um, Batman and Robin. Cause like Batman is this, just this like masculine, like daddy. And like Robin is like this gee Willikers little boy. He's too old to be acting like that. Right. Like he's actually like that for kink reasons right. almost. Also the tights. Like there's a scene early on where they're like hanging out of the Batcopter on a ladder and they climb up the screen <laughs> and it lingers on like the lower part of their body. 
like so you watch like the tights and the crotch uh you know climb their way up the camera <laughs> and i swear this must have like created like millions of fetishists across the country oh 100%. it's original run this is where those latex suits came from oh I for think. sure <laughs> Catwoman, amazing in every outfit she wears. All of her um props yeah. were my favorite. Like she has she wears these like gloves that have like glued on nails, so like cat claws, and she's got this like what is it called? Morse code device where yeah. it's like a black cat and she squeezes the tail. And its eyes light up every time she hits the it's beep. So great. It is kind of funny to me how she only has one pun in this movie, and it's the word perfect. perfect. It's and she says it so much that it's just- it's so horrible, but it's so good. It's just, it's so campy. This movie's yeah, so it's fucking camp. campy, and it's so great. It's dedicated at the beginning to fun lovers everywhere, which <laughs> I feel like it was a embarrassment for comic book fans for a long time because they love this character, and especially in the '80s, Batman was supposed to be this like grim crime fighter with all this grit and this like inner turmoil. And when you ask the average comic book fan what their favorite batman movies are they love the christopher nolan ones they might like the first tim burton one yeah but this returns and um batman and robin especially are like embarrassments because they're having fun and are goofy and i honestly at this point just love going back to a time when comic book movies were for children and a little naughty and just yeah. like vibrant and fun. Like this, I miss this so much. Yeah, like I, I really picked up on I'm like, oh yeah, this is for, for fucking kids whenever um I think there's like a bar or something. <laughs> and like Robin's like, oh man, liquor is bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that line works in two ways. Like they're both saying to kids like, don't become a drunkard, but they're also like doing it too hard to the point where it's like a joke. Like they know that they have two audiences. They have little children and right. they have drunk and stoned adults who find the shit hilarious. <laughs> so like they're like catering kind of winking. Yeah. 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 There's another scene where um someone calls Batman and Robin vigilantes and then the police are like, no, no, Batman and Robin are upstanding like <laughs> members of the law force. And uh, Robin's like, support your local police. That's our game. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like that's a joke. Like, they're, like, so straight-laced that it's, like, a parody of itself. Yeah, that. Yeah, you know what? You're right about that. <laughs> Another thing about this movie is just that it's always, like, 10% funnier than I remember it being. That scene where Batman is trying to get rid of a bomb, and every time he, like, turns the corner, there's, like, a nun or some ducks or, like, a baby carriage in the way. Classic bit. <laughs> yes. It lasts for a good, like, five minutes. Yeah. I think you can watch that clip isolated on YouTube too. Like it, it's become really? like its own like iconic, separate from the movie like it's classic. Good. Yeah, but everything is like that. Like I laugh every time they show one of their gadgets in the lab, and it's like labeled for like a ninety year old. Like it'll say like um, <laughs> super microscope like in big bold letters, or it'll say like shark repellent yes. in like bold letters, so you know exactly what you're looking at. One of my favorite scenes, which it was very Halloween is when all the villains are like, it looks like they're flying on broomsticks, but they're flying on their little, like, I guess blimps or something. I don't know what those things are. I think they're the penguins umbrellas. Like he has like umbrellas that do everything. And they each have one that like matches. What's so weird about these villains is like, especially with like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, like we're God, like, Oh God, the Joker's going to be the fucking crazy one. And he's, like, the tamest villain of all. <laughs> he just looks goofy. And, like, the fucking Riddler is the biggest psycho. Like, he's kind of, like, the Joker. Like, he he has the Joker persona that we've seen, like, cartoons and stuff like that. 
And that like totally threw me for a loop. And then also like having them both in the same movie like that, like you're like, wow, me... they're the same character. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, one tells riddles and then one tells jokes. Mm. <laughs> Aren't those the same, the same idea twice. <laughs> I do love the uh, Joker's um, insane catapult plan where like they have to lure Batman to their lair so that he stands on this like spring <laughs> that is supposed to launch him like out of the hot, window hot cool hot pink vibrant looking thing yeah <laughs> launches him out of the window into an exploding octopus and you're like well that's insane and then a henchman accidentally stands on that thing and gets launched and we watch him explode on the octopus it's great yeah fantastic stuff <laughs> especially in a movie where like so many stunts are off screen so yeah. like when batman's trying to get rid of the bomb we hear it explode but we don't see it and then robin comes up and he's like Oh no, Batman died. And then Batman comes from around the corner. He's like, actually, no, I uh, threw the bomb and then I hid behind these heavy metal pipes and they saved my life. Or like uh, and the porpoise, the porpoise. Yeah, <laughs> They're going to get torpedoed by the villains. And, uh, and Batman explains in great detail how a um, noble porpoise threw himself in the way of the missile to save the crime fighters. But thank God we didn't have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> we did get to see a shark. Though. Right. The shark explodes, which is pretty great. Yeah. It's a lot of exploding sea life. But for all of the movies, like fun, creative stuff, you have to note that its main plot thrust is an instant people machine. It's the exact same device from the Morgus movie. Exactly. It also involves the UN, which the Morgus movie did. Yes, yes. And it also involves Eastern European na- nations because Catwoman is undercover as a Russian journalist. Miss mm-hmm. Kitka. Miss Kitka. <laughs> I kept thinking of Katya. <laughs> and also the way that they, you know, trick Bruce Wayne is very similar to like the Morgus movie, how like they use the woman to kind of be a part of this trap, which very similar. is very similar. Also the villains lair, like you have to get to it from the rooftop, just like Morgus. Oh shit. I didn't even catch that one. Yeah. Like whenever, cause I, well I watched Batman before Morgus and whenever like I saw like Morgus, like climbing on the rooftop to get to his like sketchy little like French quarter lab. I was like, this is like the same shit as like the villains lair. It was yeah. so weird. I think the main similarity and also the main difference of these two movies is how the dust is handled. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, we already talked about how in, in Morgus, if you lose a little bit of the dust, you just have like a smaller version of that person, uh-huh. right? In Batman, it's kind of strange. Like, they want to be so careful not to lose any of the dust. The villains do it first. They like shrink their henchmen the same way that the Microvania people do in the other movie. And Penguin's like, be careful not to lose any. All of these uh, henchmen might be evil, but they all have mothers, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> also, a difference is this movie's in color. Um, so, like, the henchmen, when they're shrunk down, all become the same gray piles of, like, distinct mush. Yeah. And they don't mix them together. Like, they keep them separate. And they have little vials. And little vials, yeah. But later on, the UN is, um, <laughs> like, the main members of the UN are um dehydrated into instant people dust and they are all different colors to represent the different colors and nationalities of the world in this like rainbow coalition (laughs) and they're very careful not to mix the dust in this one like you have to keep it separate um except the same disaster strikes because you kind of want it to where like the dust gets knocked over and sneezed and scrambled um and the un has to be like re-particulated in the um boldly labeled uh super molecular dust separator that the bat just the involvement cave happens of to the have fucking you in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so weird so weird to me 
And I guess if we're spoiling the end gag for Morgus, we should spoil the end gag for Batman as well. Let's which is do that, it. Uh, they do get the UN members dust separated into their own like color coded piles. But uh, when they um, are rehydrated, they speak each other's languages. And they've done this kind of like body swap um, at the end of the movie. Where, they like, all freaky Friday each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's all a big scramble where like <laughs> France now speaks in like German and um, the UK <laughs> speaks in like Swedish and all this stuff. And then um, Batman and Robin do this thing at the end, which I thought was very funny, where they were like, oh, maybe this like cross-cultural body swap will like be this thing that like saves the world and brings world peace. They're like, we've really done a good job today. Let's quietly sneak out of the window, though. <laughs> they both like creep away, like very like cautiously, <laughs> so no one gets mad at them, and they like walk down the building, and that's like the last thing you see. God, so funny! It's such a weird movie. <laughs> but yeah, like I mean, we talked about like the Morgus similarities, but like even the whole vibe of this, like I know. <sighs> We know because we live here, but like how where a lot of Morgus took place, it's like close to the river. Like this whole idea of like being focused, like the the main, I guess, like setting is like by the water. Yeah. And it's kind of like in Morgus, there's those boat scenes. And like in this movie, like a lot of things take place like on the water, like kind of the, the piratey henchmen looking folk. Like they, there's like a lot of similarities into like the design and like little like things like that where it's not like an exact copy but it's like super influenced yeah yeah i'm kind of glad they didn't answer my question in that q a but i am still curious how did you so i have a question for you like how did you make this connection i think they mention it in the jacket for the um morgus dvd okay Um, which we have on hand. I should yeah, we can that. check it. Because, like, after this, I was, like, thinking there has to be, like, some kind of article, like, investigative article where somebody dug into this and, like, pointed it all out. So the um, Morgus DVD that I bought comes mm-hmm. with a liner notes. Okay. Little jacket. And in the liner notes, it says... The House of Shock became Morgus Presents and spawned a motion picture, The Wacky World of Dr. Morgus. A little scene example of independent New Orleans cinema that influenced both the original Nutty Professor, true, Oh yeah, and the big screen version of the Batman television series. Okay. That's all I've ever heard on it was that it influenced it. I've never heard anyone explain how that worked and if like Sid Noel ever like had an opinion on his like creative work being like lifted for this you know this Hollywood, Hollywood picture. movie yeah yeah like it's just nuts so because like there's no- nothing out there that like kind of goes through like a-, a detailed comparison or like or any like actual insight as to like was like what's the deal with this like I-, I couldn't find shit i like the last few episodes you and i have done just ourselves have been like these swamp flex investigative reports because we yeah. did uh one on um like shirley kilpatrick yes and yeah. the other one on uh the devil master uh, yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> my god uh these like dark back stories about um movies that nobody watches <laughs> on th- this episode of swamp flex investigates yes no i enjoy this kind of stuff because it's just wild to me like I mean, I know that this isn't, like, a super well-known movie, but, like, I feel like there's a lot of film buffs in the city of New Orleans that treasure stuff like this that, like, would have made that connection. Like, why are people... Are people being silenced? Like, (laughs) why is no one talking about this? Because it's, like, disturbingly similar. 
I don't know that Batman the movie from 1966 gets discussed enough to justify, <laughs> you know, right. this other movie that even fewer people watch um, influencing it. I was talking to like some coworkers were like at lunch. They're like, yeah, you know, like talking about what everyone's been watching lately. And I'm like, oh, I'm watching this like Morgus the Magnificent movie. And everyone's like, haha. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm watching it. We're going to kind of like compare it to Batman from 1966. And everyone's like, what? Why? What? <laughs> yeah. Like, like the same like expression like i kind of gave you when you were like oh yeah here's this morgas dvd um we're gonna watch this in the batman movie from 1966 and <laughs> should i have explained episode. that better I'm sorry. no i'm glad you did not because okay. at first i was like well whatever sure <laughs> and blown blown away i am blown away i don't know that i would have made that connection even though i've seen the batman movie a bunch of times yeah i don't know that i would have made it independently because i don't think the plot of either movie is really what you watch them for. Like true. Especially the Batman movie. Like you don't even get to that instant people machine until like an hour in. Just all the gags are fun. The ga- it's so funny. It yeah. really is. And the Morgus movie, I wonder if I have like a stronger reaction to it too, because it reminds me a lot of a couple Roger Corman films that I really like from the early sixties. Yeah. Um, Bucket of Blood. I still uh, haven't seen Bucket of Blood. And um, the movie that was made on the same sets the same week, uh, which was Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, we talked um, about this. Yeah. Very similar vibe, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to The Wacky World of Dr. Morgus. Okay. So I even don't think, you know, that movie was like the most original style of like independent horror cinema or anything. Mm-hmm. But that instant people machine is a very specific idea. And unless they both lifted it from the same like Atomic Age comic book that I just don't know about. Like, it could have been the same source of inspiration from some, like, comic book from the 50s Maybe. that I don't know anything about, you know? That's true. That's a good point. Especially since there's, like, the whole, like, you know, let's use this, like, hot woman as a trap to, like, get more information about this stuff. Rooftop. Lounge. The more you're saying that they have in common, the more I'm like, someone watched the Morgus movie. <laughs> I know. It, right? Yeah. Because they scrambled to make that bad movie. We need Batman to look at the writers. Maybe Sid Knowles uh, somewhere in like the writing credits. The writing credits or like some guy that like lived here. Oh, we need to look and like figure out like the writers and like where they've lived. <laughs> Swamp Flicks investigates. investigates. Yeah. We should have done this before we recorded. Damn it. <laughs> Not a very thorough investigative unit here, but. No, but I think we figured it out. You've seen the quality of our mad scientists, so you should <laughs> come to expect this from us. <laughs> I'm glad you had fun with this. Yeah. I feel like uh, when we watched The Devil Master, I had the same feeling like, I don't know anyone else in the crew that I would make watch movies like this, but I feel like you would be the most likely candidate to enjoy yourself. Thank you. Okay. But yes. <laughs> okay, good. Loved it. Um, I, I rented the Batman movie on VOD and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have to like buy it on DVD. I loved it. I will say, as much affection as I have for Morgus... Um, I do think the Batman movie is the better film of this pair. I don't know if I've made that clear in this conversation, but <laughs> it's way funnier. It's only fault really is that it is too long. It's like an hour and 40 something mm-hmm. minutes, which is a bit much for what it is. But it's kind of the same style of like scrambling to get something on the screen that the Morgus movie was. Because yeah. like, that turnaround from that show becoming a hit in January and having a movie on the screens in the summer that same year. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Maybe they had to cut a, cut a couple corners and borrow a plot from a, another movie. But Maybe. I think it has its own personality. It's not like a, an exact copy, at least in tone and you know visual design and all that other stuff. Yeah. Well, next week on the show, 
I'm still making people watch horror adjacent material because <laughs> like I said, we're still like recording pre Halloween right now. So that's the mode I'm in. Um, I made everyone watch or Allie and Boomer. Anyway, I made them watch a movie on Tubi called the great Satan. And I think you would really like this. Okay. Well, I'm like knee deep in Tubi right now. So okay, I'm going to pitch this to you. Okay. I think this is the only place you can watch it too. Um, the great Satan is a retelling of the fall of Lucifer from heaven. Like, so like from God casting the angel Lucifer out of heaven to basically the evangelical version of Satan, like how he's still around and influencing children and Mm -hmm. like all the bad things we do and like rock and roll and stuff like that. Yes. But this story is told (laughs) through clips of VHS tapes and it has a lot of imagery of stuff that we've already discussed. It had highway to hell, which was a what uh, movie that we've, that was one of the first like movie of the months. Um, we had, had to watch it on VHS. A lot of clips from Hacko Lantern, which is a movie that you're wearing a t-shirt of right now as I'm dis- <laughs> discussing this movie okay. with you. this is crazy. <laughs> uh, it has a lot of softcore porno, including the Annie Sprinkle movie, which I may have lent to you and then you gave back to me like, why did you give me porn? Um, <laughs> why does that sound so familiar? Is this like back in like DVD trading? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um More than I could possibly reference now. So it's like over 2,000 VHS tapes. Is this like a new movie? It's from 2018. Okay. Um, are you familiar with Everything is Terrible? That's a website. And they basically yes, do like discarded VHS yes, clips. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. They constructed a narrative oh my God. out of their VHS tapes. And they've done this before. They do like a lot of cool like commercial. Like, they capture a lot of like old shitty commercials, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. yeah. It's got a lot going on. And I think it'll be interesting to discuss with Boomer because of the evangelical angle. He always has a lot of like interesting yeah. things to say about that. Yeah. He seems to have had like really horrific personal experiences with yes. the Yeah. So, so maybe I'm re-traumatizing him. But um, on your front, though, it also has a lot of satanic panic clips of yeah. like rock and roll nightmare. I love and, like, that. Uh, you know, all the metal exploitation stuff we discussed yes. last Halloween. Yeah. So if you're looking for, I think, okay, late in the season, um, what you want is like a visual overload of just like gory material and like Halloween themed stuff. Right. Where you, there is no like real plot to like pay attention to. This movie's on Tubi and it's very good. <laughs> this Okay, great. I've, I really feel, Brandon, that like Tubi is such like the Swamp Flicks streaming service because like... Like, every time I, like, go in there, it's, like, Lifetime and then shit from, like, Shout TV and a lot of Charles Band. <laughs> I think the thing is that Tubi is what you make of it. So, like, I looked at this graph the other day that was um, streaming services by the amount of titles in their library. Uh-huh. And Tubi had, like, ten times the amount of the next one down on the graph. So, like, the next gotcha. one down was, like, the Roku channel. And then even lower was, like plex and then even lower was like hulu and the netflix gotcha. and the disney channel so like tubi just happens to have the most of everything personally the ads are a big roadblock for me so like if something's God. only available on tubi i'll watch it yeah but you cannot deny the fact that they have like a ton of great stuff because they have the most out of everybody you know like i was browsing when i was in my night um nighttime well nighttime lifetime black hole and it looks like they have like a lot of these like Tubi original movies i didn't watch any of them but i'm like what this is wild i will say this year they had a festival acquisition their first like we bought a movie festival movie called beast beast which is like this teen drama about gun violence it's very good my thing is like if they would charge like five bucks a month like just i would totally pay for that and like drop some other I i would drop netflix 
I feel like eight dollars would be the upper limit I would pay for Tubi without for ads. I feel like that's on brand though. Like I feel like if they got too expensive, it wouldn't be the Tubi vibe. I feel like the Tubi people are like little trash people like us that want to see like all these like fun like garbage movies just without commercials. I think they're just buying films by the lot the same way that television stations so. bought the horror movies that created the horror host experience. Like they are just like I will pay you a reasonable amount of money for a giant bundle of films. <laughs> and like that's how they're getting by. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're just like paying for it with progressive ads, which you will watch a lot of progressive ads anytime you watch a Tubi film. I don't even have that insurance. <laughs> me neither. Like, leave me alone. And I never will. No. <laughs> Out of spite. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> for ruining um, the great I wish Satan. that like their commercial, like you know how like there's some like free streaming services that like pull in local commercials. Like I would rather like rewatch that like Juan LaFonta like, hey, won't you? Commercial over and over and over again than like the progressive one like i think if they would just do more shitty local commercials i would be more interested it would be more a more authentic like basic television experience like broadcast tv not progressive and then like the same like fabrice commercial i don't miss the Charmin bears i haven't seen them in a while oh my god that would always ruin the vibe always talking about the shit coming out of their ass (laughs) and loving it and they're like look at my like the Little baby bears like his underwear's on the ground. The mom picks it up and it's like, oh my god, there's no skin marks on here. And he's like, yeah, I love my, my little shitty baby. Clean, yeah. And they're like dingleberry <laughs> stuff. It's just so crazy. It's too hard to watch. Curse them to hell. <laughs> yeah, fuck those charming bears. You know that like apparently in <laughs> word on the street in the plumbers street, the plumbers world is that like Charmin like clogs toilets the most. Like, because it's so thick. I'm encouraging this um, rumor, whether or not it's true, because uh, <laughs> I, I hate those bears so much. Yeah. Don't wipe your ass with Charmin. <laughs> That's the Swamp Flicks endorsement of the week is do not use Charmin for your ass. <laughs> oh, my God. If Angel Soft sponsors us, I would die. That, like, little baby on the toilet paper. You know, we've been joking on the um, Lanyap episodes that Tubi should sponsor this show, but I think you're right. I think we need to aim for the ads on Tubi. We need, like, AngelSoft. That's the first step. (laughs) To legitimacy. Or Scott. (laughs) Just, like, the one-ply toilet paper. Yeah. (laughs) That feels like sandpaper. That's us. Well, keep wiping. See y'all next week. (laughs) Wipe away, all right? Bye, everybody. Bye. Saturday night when I go for my date My baby and I just sit and wait for Vargas The Magnificent We don't go out to rolling rock We get our kicks from the house of shop He's got shaggy hair and a graveyard stare Vampire blood spill everywhere Vargas Magnificent We don't go out to roll and rock We get our kicks from the house and shop If you want a thrill Turn the lights down low Except for the goo Steal the show, see Vargas Magnificent We don't go out to roll and rock We get our kicks 